Hi, welcome to my 23-year-old self. True stories from the come up. This is the first episode of our podcast where we'll talk with successful women in media, entertainment, and technology about the advice they'd give their younger selves when they were coming up in those really male-heavy fields. And yes, of course, there are wonderful male allies out there as well, and you'll hear from them occasionally throughout our series. I'm Zena Burns, and I started this podcast because honestly, I really could have used it myself when I was starting my own career. 23 was the age when I got my first big time New York City media job, and two decades and some change, honestly, later, I still talk with my female friends and peers regularly about the challenges that we face in these fields. I hope that the conversations in this podcast with some truly amazing women help share some valuable wisdom, and maybe we'll have some fun along the way. In this episode, I am so honored to be joined by Ellen Kay, who is an absolute legend and recent Radio Hall of Fame inductee. Before she launched her highly successful Ellen Kay Morning Show on Coast 103.5 in Los Angeles and her nationally syndicated Ellen Kay Weekend Show, she spent more than 20 years doing mornings on Kiss FM in LA, first working with Rick Dees and then working alongside Ryan Seacrest. When she moved from KISS to her sister station Coast 103.5 in 2015, she became the first and only woman to anchor a morning radio show with her solo namesake in Los Angeles radio history. Now, what does that mean if you're not in radio? Yes, you do hear other voices on the air, but this is the Ellen Kay Morning Show. She's the longest continuously airing morning show personality in that huge radio market. And along with that, she has been the voice of the Grammys, the Oscars, the Emmys, and way too many other projects to mention. That's when she's not making the world a better place by doing everything from raising money for Children's Hospital Los Angeles to finding homes for rescue dogs. Ellen Kay will talk about her Cindy Lou Who syndrome. What could that be? She'll also reflect on a manager hugging her and then commenting on her G-string. Yeah, yikes, right? We'll hear about how the birth of a calf made her realize that radio was right for her in terms of a career. She'll tell us about the woman who gave her a chance, not a break, but a chance, and how that person impacted her career. And Ellen Kay will also talk about supportive male coworkers and competitors who have given her advice and the lessons she needed to hear. Ellen Kay, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Oh, Zena, thank you for thinking of me, inviting me, and having me on. I'm, I'm really excited. I'm thrilled. And what a special day. Very, very special. <laughs> you know, radio obviously can sometimes be a uniquely challenging industry for women, especially those who have been in it long enough to have Hall of Fame status, right? <laughs> when we talk about my 23-year-old self, 23 is just a number that may be different for everybody who's on the podcast. It's meant to represent the age where really you were starting to get serious about your career. So what's your number? What were you doing back then? And what was your dream when you were starting out? Oh my gosh. Okay. So my number is definitely 23. I would go with 23. You know, I'm going to back it up here. I'm going to go to 22. And only because that was my son's uh, high school football number. And 22 was a huge <laughs> year of change for me <laughs> because I had, I had graduated from Purdue University with a bachelor's in communication and bachelor of arts. And I thought, I'd gotten into radio through an internship and then a job and then another job and worked my way 
through after changing majors, I really wanted to be a veterinarian. So my dream was set on being a large animal veterinarian. That was what I wanted to do. I love animals. That's why I love rescuing dogs. Thank you for mentioning that in my intro. And I wanted to be a large animal vet. I grew up in Indiana. There are a lot of farms around. I wanted to work with horses, cows, sheep, pigs, chickens, everything. And I took all the necessary classes to do that until it just got kind of yucky. And and I thought, I don't know that I want to be on a farm all day, kind of pretty much alone. It's a lonely, it's a lonely existence. And you'd be kind of working with animals, not people. And I love people. Yeah. The classes were getting harder and harder. I had to deliver a baby cow and it just wasn't, I wasn't feeling it. And I took some advice from a very good friend of mine who happened to be the president of the university. He was my roommate's father. So that's a stroke. And I, we call him old geezer. He's Dr. (laughs) Hicks. And I said, old geezer, that's just, I kind of grew up with him and he became the president of the university I ended up at. And I said, I just, I don't know what to do. I'm not feeling love for my chosen field. And I, I really want to do something that I get excited about and that I want to do every day for the rest of my life. I want to find that. So he said, well, why don't you, so you've taken so many science classes, do something fun. What sounds fun to you? And I said, oh, wow, God, that's great. I would I love listening to the radio, but I'm sure that there's nothing like that, but I would love to maybe like try a radio thing. And so he said, that's what you need to do. You need to go explore that. And so I went to the campus radio station. They were full. They, there was no room, you know, this was like a mid semester transfer. And so I kind of told everybody I knew on campus, wow, I just need to, I want to try radio. It just sounds fun. And then I got desperate. I said, or TV or newspaper, anything. I just wanted to do something fun. My older brother knew a girl who was a program director of a rock station. And uh, she was a few years older than me, but not much. And my brother said, call Carolyn, see if she needs anyone to help run the radio station. And she did. She needed an intern. I needed an internship. So I took it. And that's where I fell in love with radio was right there. And then in Lafayette, Indiana, WXUS, Carolyn Gracie as my PD. And how amazing that she's a woman. <laughs> how amazing on so many levels, not the least of which is that even today, we are nowhere near 50-50 when it comes to female PDs. And for those right. listeners who don't know much about radio, PDs are program directors. Let's just simplify things and say they run the show. Right. Yeah. Right. And so, so even, even today it's better than it was, but it's not a commonality and you and, and thank you, old geezer, by the way, (laughs) and my brother, Gary, (laughs) thank you, Gary and old geezer. I don't know. I hope old geezer is still with us or at least long enough to see you go from delivering a baby cow to ruling the LA radio airwaves. That being such a rarity uh, at that stage in your career mm-hmm. to have a woman in a leadership position. Mm-hmm. How do you think that influenced your path? Huge. Zena, more than I even realized until I start talking to you about it, thinking about it and thinking about her and, and the kind of origin of this really blessed career that, that I have. And that is that I would observe her. I, I met her. I kind of knew her loosely. I'm so lucky that my brother knew someone like her, she was dating his best friend. So it's these third loose connections is what I call them. And they are everything in all businesses. 
I watched this dynamo of a woman run this place and schedule the DJs. And she had me do call out research. And through that, I kind of saw all facets. I, I took her advice. One day she calls in sick and she calls me. And then she said, will you sit in for my one hour lunchtime request show? You know how to do it. Just breathe. And I said, yes. And I didn't know really what to do, but the people who I'd been observing came and rallied around and helped me. And I did an hour and Zena, that was it. It was all call-ins. So I'm answering the phones and playing the songs they want to hear. Then they're telling their story to me about what the song means to them. I'm like, this is the most fun thing I've ever done in my life. I went back to the university. I thanked Dr. Hicks, old geezer, for opening my eyes to what could be. I stuck with it and I stuck with that radio station and I was hired full-time overnights eventually. It was my senior year in college and I started applying for other jobs outside of you know my little town so that when I graduated, I would at least have a lead. And I landed two of them and then eventually kept on exploring bigger and bigger stations and markets in Indianapolis was the big one. And that's Jeff Smolian, who owned WENS in Indianapolis and being inducted into the Radio Hall of Fame. Full circle <laughs> moment. so weird. Yes. Kind of worked every format all in the span of 24 hours every day and weekends, whenever they needed me. I didn't care. I was like, okay, yes, we'll do it. You make your way to LA. It started with Rick Dees and then Ryan later in the mornings. Mm. Along the way, and, and I mean this not just in your company now known as iHeart Time, but, but the whole time. What are some sort of headline mistakes that you made that you'd like to see other women on the come up avoid? Okay. That's another great question, Zena Burns. <laughs> There's, look, let's talk about radio in the 90s because it all changed in the 2000s. But in the 90s, it was, you know, you're, you're a girl, you're so you can also be objectified and go along with it. I totally did. So there was never this even thought in my mind of, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to go get my own show and I'm going to be Scott Shannon or Howard Stern or Zena, who is there? Like, I couldn't point to a woman. So I was just happy as a clam being a sidekick and loved it. The mistake that I think that I made that I would like to pass on, I guess, is that kind of look ahead and don't do anything that you'll be embarrassed about later. I'm not embarrassed because that was radio in the 90s. I, I went to a nudist colony and stripped down to my underwear, basically. Took my top off and had like Kiss FM stickers covering my boobs. Yeah. You know, like that. I look back on that. I'm not embarrassed at all. It was a great stunt. We got a lot of attention. Um, I did bus sides. I did a lot of like showing skin, you know? Yeah. And of course, I would never do that now, nor is there really the opportunity for, you know, the workplace. I, I think it's just that I, I like wildly, blindly went along with whatever it took. And part of that might have been sometimes compromising my dignity. So I wouldn't change anything for the world. You know, when a lot of the Me Too stuff started happening, I was thinking back to all of the situations where I could go, but oh, wait a minute, there was a, there was a general manager who came up and hugged me from behind and felt my buttocks 
and said, oh, G-string. I mean, you know, oh, this was, this was the 90s. Mm-hmm. It really was. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I have zero complaints about that time just because that's the way it was everywhere. It just, you know, my God, thank God and how much we've changed. Like really well, seriously. Well, even you saying that you couldn't think of and apologies, I'm I'm sure there's one out there that neither of us is thinking of and apologies that I and we aren't. But even you mm-hmm. saying that you couldn't think of a woman at that time who was leading their own show, who you could look up to as a role model there, it just goes to show how different the times are. Yes. Yeah. Right. And how much we, I, I was, I was going to say a relatively short period of time, but it's, it's, it's really not, it's 25, 30 years, yeah. which, but it, it really goes to show how times have changed and how it's, it's been so important for women like you and others to have the talent and have the contributions that you've made to your shows and connecting with your audience in such a real and authentic way that finally the powers that be can like break out of this paradigm, break this unspoken rule and put you into the position that you're in now. And that goes back to the advice we were talking about earlier about when you, when you love what you do, just do it all the time. I have to ask. So 2015, you get your own show on Mm -hmm. Coast 3.5, completely monumental. You started the show and with nothing but respect and admiration for Ryan Seacrest, you beating him in the ratings and you know we did a lot of cross promotion went on each other's shows because we missed each other i mean look we're looking at each other five hours a day every day so i i also was homesick you know i'm in a new i'm in a new home and i'm getting to know that but there they are right down the hall that's my my family right it was with so much support from him and iheart and i also went into it in a really naive way i had no idea what i really needed to have to do a morning show. Ryan always handled all that. And it's kind of like being that sidekick was like being just a person who's along for the ride. I, I never saw all of the like meetings and phone calls and marketing and where do you want to put that stop set? And like, really, there's a lot. And I kind of learned that very quickly. And I think had I known going into it, how much learning I was going to do and how rough it was going to be, I don't know. I might have scared myself out of it. I'm glad I didn't know. I've always had that Cindy Lou Who syndrome where, you know, everything's going to be okay. Like, okay, the Grinch just took all of our presents, but my, my husband even calls me Cindy Lou Who. So that was kind of what I took with me here to, to coast was that kind of just that enthusiasm. I'm not going to, I'm not going to give up. This is all going to be okay. I'm going to figure it out. And I would stay at the radio station all day. I didn't get a lot of stuff in writing, always get things in writing. I had no idea what I didn't know, what I needed. And thank God I had supporters who were helping me along. Dennis Clark and Kevin Gred and Greg Ashlock. And, you know, I just needed to, I just needed to spend a lot of time kind of getting under the hood. You mentioned getting things in writing. Do you have any tips for broaching wanting to be liked, which Mm. is, I don't want to say it's a uniquely female quality, but I think it's a quality that's more often found in women than men, right? So how do you bridge the gap between wanting to be liked and like, yeah, cool, I'm a team player, whatever, and saying, cool, but you know, I want that in writing. 
because I just need a little protection. That I, that that can be be tough. Big hurdle for me. Yeah, like huge. I think taking the emotion out of it. That was one of the first things I learned. Get to the facts and be decisive. Lay it out. Present your case. I'd have to throw in. Look, I'm ask my guy friends too. Like, what do you have? I need to. I need to get what I need to do the show. That I love is the concept of drawing on your network. You know, women, yes, but guys as well who are willing to share what their situation is. Yeah, yeah, and I, I had a lot of support. Woody was in my studio every morning, eating his oatmeal and talking about things, and I would ask him a million questions, and he would give me great answers. You mentioned Woody, you mentioned Dennis Clark, you mentioned the great Dennis Clark, yeah. uh, you mentioned a few other people. Yeah. Have, has it been hard for you to find true friends versus fair weather friends in the workplace? Nope, not at all. No, I, I, I have my work friends who are work friends. In fact, I was watching an interview the other day and the person was saying, why is it that just because we work with a person, we're supposed to be best friends? It doesn't have to be that way. You can have a great working relationship and a working friendship without having to be best friends, right? Or even friends or hang out. Um, but thank God that in this business, some of my best friends I have met through the business. My husband I met through the business. So um, yeah. I, I've never had a problem with fair weather friends or true friends. My true friends have always been my true friends. I've, I've never, like, I guess a fair weather friend would be a user. Is that what that would be? That's what I consider a fair weather yeah. friend. No, I... Of clout or a user of fun when you're when you're more fun than you are a downer, but right. but user of, of some sort. You mentioned meeting your husband in the business. I wanted to ask you about this because I know you've been with your husband Roy for quite some time. Yeah. And I bring it up because that started as a workplace relationship. Yes. It's, you know, those have come under more scrutiny in recent years, but you you and Roy have been together for a long time and you have mm-hmm. a son in college. So yeah. obviously. There was and there is something very, very right there. What made it right for you? Well, first of all, uh, I had never really dated or met anyone like him. I was attracted to him, but I'm like, you know, plus he was coming in as our sales manager. And so we became friends, but, you know, I was dating, he was dating, didn't date each other. Um, Then we sat down at a Christmas party. We were there together, dateless. Uh, both of us. And that's when I got to really just like sit with them and talk to them. And, and with the same age, and we had kind of similar family backgrounds and, and loved our families a lot. And he talked a lot about his grandpa. And I just, I don't know. I just, I just felt like a, a home with him. Um, yeah. I, I met him and fell in love with him. And, and uh, he's just such a great partner in life. Um, and, it, and it was harder working for him than it is being, you know, and doing my own show not having him as my boss. I'm going to wrap it up here with this. So picture it. You're 22. You're at your younger self's place of work. Okay. You can leave her a short note from the future about how to have a smoother path than you did in your male heavy workplaces. What does this note say? 
Okay. It says, dear Ellen, keep doing what you're doing because you love what you're doing. Get things in writing. Don't take handshakes or promises. Be kind. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to be in situations and do things and take work that you think you can't do. See, for me, it was a lot of just believing in myself. So I would tell my 22-year-old self, hey, believe in yourself. This is a fun ride. Like I was never those, you know, I was never, I was never uptight or nervous about my future. I was just having such a great time and just loving every minute of it. So I think I would also say in this note, wow, are you lucky that you love what you do? That's beautiful. (laughs) Really emotional. (laughs) If you're going to get emotional about anything, the fact that at at 22, having birthed a baby cow, (laughs) good advice from old geezer. Yeah. And, and, to take a chance and follow your passion and you're sitting where you are today. May I add something else to my note? Keep it coming. I would say here, Alan, 22, thank everyone profusely who cheers for you, says yes to you, helps you, moves you along on your path. Like never forget those people and always stay in touch with them and be grateful for them and Keep those relationships forever because those are the ones that, you know, really matter. And I know that there are many people for whom you are that person and deeply. Uh, I, I mean, I hope, but I know that I have a lot of those people in my life and, and wow, am I grateful for sure. You're one of them, Zena. <laughs> Oh, well, you are, you are certainly welcome for me. Thank you so, so much for sharing your time and your passion and your story. I'm excited that you do what you do every day and inspire so many people nationally on a regular basis while you still manage to find time to do other types of good in the world. And I appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate you, Zena. Thank you so much for listening. It was really, really fun talking with Ellen Kay, which I could do all day. And Ellen, thank you so, so much for joining the show. Hey, if you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform. It's really a huge help for us to get more great content your way. I would love to hear from you on any thoughts, feedback, or ideas you have for future episodes, especially about the women who have inspired you. Hit me up on Instagram or Twitter. You can find me at at Zena Burns. Yes, that's Zena with a Z. Or you can email us at 23yearoldself at gmail.com. This episode of My 23-Year-Old Self was produced by myself, Zena Burns, and Cameron Blackwell, and it was edited by Cameron Blackwell. We use the podcasting system Post by Futuri to publish today's episode. And I'd like to give special thanks to Dan Dietrich for his help with our launch and everyone who took the time to give me feedback and support as we were getting this off the ground. Until next time, keep rising and remember to help others rise too. Thanks for listening. <laughs>